Hey friends, you're listening to the Hope and Heart Pills podcast where we're talking about racial justice and pop culture. I'm one of your hosts, Andre Henry. And I am your other host, Trish's. How you doing, Trish? What's going on? How's it been? I'm hosting by yourself. I'm pretty good. I, you know what, Andre? I was very nervous for the first of the two. I know. That I hosted by myself. I know. I was very nervous. Well, because I was, I'm like a fangirl of Ruby's, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um... So I was like, oh, great. The first time I'm doing it alone, it's like this person that I I, I really admire. Um, but actually, it was pretty fun. I was like, I, I was glad I could sort of hold hold down the fort while you were away. Um, and it was fun to kind of connect with these people. I know um, both Ruby and Tori would have loved to would have loved to um, meet you. So We'll definitely have to have them have them back so um so they can they can have a chat with you. For sure. Yeah, I listened. It was really great. I thought you did fine. I don't know. Thank I was you. I mean, I knew you were gonna do fine. I wasn't surprised, but I knew how nervous you were to do it. So Well, I Sweet. think like I feel like you are more of a natural at this i mean you have been doing it longer too but yeah, i think you <laughs> you're such a personality for a podcast you know and the way you um just the way you talk it's very it's very like eloquent and and for me i'm just like a valley girl that like sometimes has ideas so <laughs> i'm glad that i'm glad that you enjoyed what what we did it was great how are you doing andre i know you had um quite the trip yeah i'm doing really good um i was in south africa in cape town for 10 days ish something like that um and it was it was a profound experience. It was inspiring in some ways, discouraging in other ways um, to connect with activists in Cape Town who are fighting for their communities, fighting for the dream uh, really of the, of the end of apartheid completely because apartheid is officially over, but the footprint of apartheid is still deep i'll put it that way um Mm. and so talking with people that are struggling for economic equality for um dignity for education for all these things it was just really really touching and um also it was a wellness trip by from the empower initiative shout out to ben and janelle mcbride uh, of the uh, Empower Initiative. So it was all Black activists and organizers 
Um, talking about, you know, how do we center wellness in our pursuit of a better world and practicing that together, you know, having siesta time and time to relax, time to, you know, visit some of the natural wonders that are in Cape Town, all that kind of thing. So just a great time. I'm processing a lot. I think I'm going to be processing a lot for a while. Um, I'm sure that some of this is going to show up in my next book. Uh, and I'm also glad to be back, though. <laughs> I'm also glad to be back. I missed, some, I yeah. missed American food. Um, <laughs> and also, like, my studio's here, and it's, you know, I'm trying to make sure that I stay on schedule to release a song every three to six weeks. So it was like, this was great. But when it was time to go, it was also, I mean, a little bittersweet. I was a little sad to leave South Africa, but also excited to come back home and get back into the swing of things. Yeah, I love the feeling of coming back home. I love traveling. I definitely have a travel itch right now because I haven't really gone anywhere in a while. Um, and usually I travel quite a bit. Um, mm -hmm. but I was just thinking the other day, I gotta, I gotta get out of here. Um, and then my dad texted me and he was like, would anyone be interested in Cambodia and Malaysia at the end of August? And I was like, yes, sir, <laughs> I would be interested. <laughs> oh, great. Um, Wonderful. Yes. So, um, hopefully I can square that away. My dad does like a lot of, um, like conferences and stuff. So if it's, if it's somewhere yeah. that he thinks we'll be interested in, he'll, he'll let us tag along which is fun. Um, but then I'm just going to go to Vegas, not this mm -hmm. coming week, but the next week, my friend Brianna Marin, she created um, a, a person of color um, creative music collective. And mm -hmm. um, everyone in the collective, they get a lot of like music, uh, music synced into um, TV and film and um, just do a lot of cool production and songwriting work. And she is holding um, the first Love Pulse music writer workshop or writers, um, oh, nice. writer camp in Las Vegas in a couple weeks. Um, so I'm really excited about that. But other than that, not a lot of not a lot of summer travel. Are you going to go anywhere else this summer? I doubt it. I doubt it. Um, I still have a dental appointment in Medellin that I need to <laughs> <laughs> figure out. But um, if I do travel, that might be the only place that I go. But uh, honestly, money's tight. So, you know, I don't have any other summer, summer travel plan. I have always, now this would be after summer, but I have wanted to go to Mexico for Dia de los Muertos for a long time. And so I may make that trip this fall, but that's like, that's like the end of October, early November kind of time. Kind would of you be going frame. for, um, do you think you'd go to Mexico City or... Yes. Because I might be interested in joining you because I've been really wanting you oh. to go back to Mexico City. I love Mexico City. Well, come on. Yeah. Well, well let's, we let's take go. the pod on the road. <laughs> let's go. Sweet. Because um, you're, 
you're releasing a lot of stuff right now. So it makes sense to kind of stay put. And I'm sort of thinking like, I'm going to start releasing stuff in the fall. So I'm trying to take advantage of the summer to prep for it. Mm -hmm. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You're talking a lot about the like wellness stuff near and going on the wellness trip and more about like mental health space, especially like in the activist world. Um, And yeah, I was just wondering, like, do you have a, do you have a routine? Do you have like a daily routine kind of thing? Yeah. Uh, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Um, I will say I tend to like create a routine. I stick to it for a while. And when I'm on it, I it's so good. You know, like I'll be like, I'll wake up in the morning, do all the rising stuff, like have some tea read some poetry, meditate, all of that stuff where it's just taking my time getting ready for the day, shower, get into some deep work, take a break for take a break to eat, finish up the work, take another break to eat and then do music. That's usually when I have a routine that looks something like that, you know. Yeah. Um <clears throat> lately it's been hard for me to stick to some to stick to the same thing, but generally speaking it is uh, right now kind of, uh, you know, rising, breakfast, all this stuff, prep for the day. Um, and then uh, work, break for lunch, <laughs> uh, work a bit more, and then it's study and music, you know. Yeah. Well, what about you? I've always had a pretty good routine because I have curry and so curry's my dog. Um, and so I usually, I wake up, I have coffee, I take curry to the park, I go to the gym, I start working and then I try to do like a meditation break at like two o'clock. I eat like all day. I don't have like a time that I, <laughs> I'm like a, mm-hmm. a snacker too. Um, and then I work some more and then it's time to take curry out again. And that's sort of the bookends of my day. But mm-hmm. I have been doing like a really, I've been very strict about doing like an affirmation routine lately. And mm-hmm. I think it's working. And mm, how so? It's um I have felt like my baseline of happiness be higher. So I've been listening to affirmations every morning, every night, and I haven't been as good at doing my like midday meditations, but mm-hmm. I it, it's I think it's working. Anyway. Working how? That was I just I, I I have some subconscious beliefs that I'm trying to change. And mm. I think they were things that were like weighing me down and kind of weighing down like my happiness. Um, and I just feel myself being like a little lighter and like happier in general since I've started. So nice. I hope I hope it keeps going. I hope it keeps going. It was it was crazy Um, (laughs) because like and also I'm I'm trying to start saying affirmations out loud more 
because like Mm -hmm. psychologically it's supposed to work better it's supposed to work the best if you say it in the mirror but i still can't bring myself to do it in the mirror like (sighs) i don't know it just feels cringy um but i hear that but um it's interesting to me that when i'm listening to the affirmations they can say something that like at the time i do not really believe but they say it Mm -hmm. and then i sort of believe it and i'm like how does that work? That's crazy <laughs> that that works. It's so so I'll keep y'all updated you know, on my life. my affirmation routine. So important, you know, to kind of choose our mindset in that way. I used to keep affirmations on my mirror when I lived in Inglewood. That was really a low point too. So I was like, I'll do anything. If I need to look in this mirror and talk to myself, that's what I'm going to do. Um, and I became my best friend that way. It was great. Yeah. Well, everyone, I'll keep you updated on my affirmation routine. And <laughs> we're going to come back and we're going to talk about um, a field trip we took. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Hope and Hard Pills podcast. We are talking about the Little Mermaid today because Andre and I took a little field trip over the weekend to go see the Little Mermaid, the live action Mm -hmm. remake at um, Universal City Walk. And I think we both enjoyed seeing it. Seeing a movie is fun. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing a movie with your friends is fun. But um, but we had a we had a lot of thoughts about it. I think Andre, you probably had more thoughts about it than me. So love for you to start us off. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I liked it. I really did. I liked it altogether. I loved the movie. Um, I was prepared to be disappointed with you know song choices and things like that. But I mean, I found. Um, Halle Bailey's performance to be like compelling, emotional, you know, when she sang part of your world, I was, I was really taken, I was taken away. I was, you know, I thought that she did an incredible job. Um, I'll talk about things I'd liked and didn't like before I say, I guess the thing that I'm like, all right, the, mm-hmm. the, the part that's interesting, um, to me. So I think those are the high points, like Halle, ba- Halle Bailey's performance. Every time um, I always want to say Halle Berry, like every time. I know I want to say Halle Berry so bad, but it's Halle, <laughs> Halle Bailey. All right. Great performance. And, um, you know, I grew up with Sebastian the Crab. We were all very excited that there was a Caribbean character in a Disney movie. And so I was very pleased that under the sea was not terrible. It was it was a good it was a good rendition of under the sea. I think. Um, that said, I didn't love all the new songs. I liked I, the scuttlebutt when the scuttlebutt came on. I was like, "What is happening?" But as it continued, yeah. I was like, "No, this is not bad." I actually think I like this song, but the other two, I do like I think the could have done without. <laughs> yeah, I what? mean, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did you want to say more about that? 
No, I'm just, I just like the scuttle, but I texted Andre yesterday and I was like, sometimes <laughs> when I'm alone in my car, I listen to the scuttle. <laughs> so you have the soundtrack. You're, you're, you're streaming the soundtrack somewhere. I, yeah, I just listen, like, not the soundtrack, literally just the scuttlebutt on Spotify. <laughs> just the scuttlebutt on Spotify. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that was a good addition. Um, David Diggs' Caribbean accent was terrible. It was the worst. And it was crazy because every, every, so there were other people who had their Caribbean accent on, you know, and Every one of them sounded better than him. I didn't know it was to be Diggs first off when we were listening. I was just like, so I'm trying to coach myself like, Andre, well, maybe this actually is a Caribbean person, but it's from an island that you haven't heard the accent mm. from or whatever. But the more it went out, I was like, nah, I think this person just... <laughs> Can't. And then you told me after it was David Diggs because they were going for name recognition. And um, so every person who came in that actually had a Caribbean accent, I was like, why aren't they Sebastian the crap? Because they <laughs> totally could do this better. Even the women. I was like, why isn't she Sebastian the crap? Um, then I saw an interview with someone interviewing David Diggs and they were talking about, you know, where Sebastian the crab is from and was it hard for him to learn or was he struggling with the accent? And he goes, and kind of flippantly he was like sebastian the crab isn't from anywhere he's from under the sea and i found that disrespectful Interesting. <laughs> i found that i found that highly disrespectful because for one it's nonsensical because if he's from nowhere why are you being paid to do an accent and sing calypso music so clearly he's right. from somewhere they don't do that in Minnesota where they, you know what I mean? <laughs> so number one, number two, <laughs> um, there are Caribbean people like myself who actually have fond memories connected to this character and to our music and to our culture. And mm -hmm. so what it, what it, it could be taken as you didn't put in the effort as much as you could have because it didn't matter to you. Now, I can't say that he did or didn't, but that kind of comment could be interpreted that way, you know? Well, he's not from anywhere. No, we know well, what kind of like, accent Sebastian has. Right, it's like a, it's a version of erasure. You're just going to pretend that this accent didn't come from anywhere, that it's not, a, you're not doing a caricature of someone else's accent that is like kind of gaslighty and absolutely yeah. i was livid because not only is okay samuel wright was the original sebastian the crab in the 1992 film uh a little mermaid right my mom bought us this sing-along tape that's that samuel wright was the host of and so, of course, he sang Under the Sea, you know, and we watched that video every single day because for us, <laughs> this is the only Disney movie where there's a Jamaican character. I think so. Yeah. Because yeah. that accent's not Trinidadian. That accent's not Bayesian, yeah. you know, <laughs> like. Yeah. So, you know, Sebastian was our man. And I actually remember before this movie came out, there was a Jamaican comedian that was like, I can't wait to hear Under the Sea. And she did her version and it was so funny, you know. So this is something that, you know, 
you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, throw a bottle through any, you know, (laughs) (laughs) through any Disney windows or anything over it. I just thought how disrespectful to say that about cultural representation, especially when we're talking about a movie that where representation has been elevated so much from, for having a black little mermaid. Right. Yeah. Um, for you to say, eh, it doesn't matter where Sebastian is from or if I get the accent right. Yeah. Yeah, it's well, it is the erasure, erasure, but it is a form of appropriation of just like completely. You're just going to take what you want from this culture and not feel any obligation to representing the culture in a way that honors it is the thing about appropriation is that like most of the time it's just lazy like and that's what it sounds yeah. like it is he he's just being lazy that's really disappointing to hear i thought like he Super. would have like a speech coach like an accent coach that they would have been taking it really seriously especially because it seemed like they wanted to take such a strong stance on representation and diversity but and maybe he did, but but his answer to that question just made it seem like it was just a throwaway thing, right? Because yeah. if you went through all that work, I would imagine that your response to that would be, yeah, so, you know, I was listening to, you know, Trinidadian music or to Jamaican music and, you know, all this kind of stuff, but it's really hard. It's really difficult. So yeah, I tried my best. Yeah. You know, yeah. Sorry if I sorry sorry if I didn't get it right, y'all. You know, or something. I don't need the apology, yeah. but you know, some kind of way to honor, like, yeah. yeah, like this is something I tried to do. I'm more annoyed now that you told me that. I'm definitely more annoyed than I am before because before I just assumed like he didn't he didn't do a good job, but he tried his best, and and to right. hear that it's kind of it's kind of icky to just think Super. like. And also, it's such a small country that like it seems like so, I don't know, like not punching down, like he's not saying anything bad about Jamaican people, but to to take away that, it, 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 you're actually taking away representation from someone, like people that really, like you, that felt representation through that, like... The fact that, first of all, growing up, you had to feel representation through an animated crab. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's how lacking it was, right? Yeah. It was so lacking that yeah. that's where you had to find it. And you found it in this cute animated crab. And then mm-hmm. he's just like, no, that, like, what? That is like, I feel, I feel like so, I'm being gaslit. <laughs> Sebastian is not from, from anywhere. Nowhere. Yeah, that's a yeah. neutral accent I was trying to do, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, come on, come on. We know we 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 know we know where Sebastian's supposed to be from. OK, but the thing that for me stood out for The Little Mermaid is and Boots Riley actually talked about this after. Like I saw him tweeting a thread about this yesterday and I was like, oh, my God, that's exactly what I was thinking, because you just kind of have to like not ask <laughs> about what time period are we in? Where are people going? What are they doing right. there? What are they shipping? 
you know? <laughs> well, that's why I think it's really interesting that they, they made the choice that the queen figure, yeah, the, the queen is a black woman. Her adopted son, son, Eric, is a white man. They made these choices to create a world in which... um in which racial oppression did not occur, but they still chose to use a mixture of Caribbean and English accents. So you are inferring mm -hmm. that colonialism did happen. So how did it, then you start, then you start like <laughs> trying to connect out to yeah. like, nothing makes sense because if, if that was the case, I think it is weird that they chose to have characters speak in in British mm -hmm. accents and in Caribbean accents, because mm -hmm. a world in which um, colonization happens is not a world, is not a racially neutral world. So you're kind of picking mm -hmm. and choosing weird elements that are... Um, that you can't untie from each other and then still asking the viewer to um, to just participate in this world, which is like different than like Bridgerton, where Bridgerton, mm -hmm. there aren't those racial elements. Um, there's like more of that racial neutrality, but they're all speaking those English accents. They're all wearing... Uh, the uh, that kind of close so for me it's easier okay. in that setting yeah i see what but you're here saying. you're like what yeah i the mm, so you guys you colonized who what huh yeah because to your point when i'm watching i'm literally not trying to analyze it right it's yeah. a fictional story right all that kind of stuff i'm trying not to but it is throwing me off a bit because the aesthetic is still right. colonial, right? The aesthetic right. is colonial. And so, which is not something I think they can change. Like the story is the story, you know, like, right. so, I mean, I guess you could look at it either way. You could be like, it's a fictional story. So therefore we can put it in 2045 in outer space if we want to, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but I mean, it doesn't seem like that would the aesthetic would be something that you would change. And so for me, the other reason why I'm trying not to analyze it so much in the moment is because as an activist, we can have our social justice lens on all the time and it becomes kind of like these apocalyptic goggles and you can't enjoy anything like everything right. is, you know. Everything you just analyze the joy out of everything, theorize it out of. So yeah. that's another reason why I was trying not to do that. But it was hard. It was a little bit distracting. And I couldn't help but think at times about the way that people want to do diversity work. Right. Because this mm -hmm. is kind of a picture of what people are thinking when they talk about diversity is like, oh, we can all just be together. And kind of ignore these things. And so that's why you have the United Colors of Benetton mermaids under, you know, that are King Triton's daughters. And, mm -hmm. you know, King Triton has a Spanish accent. And, you know, you have the British accents and the Trinidadian accents and the Jamaican accents. And the black woman is sending her white son and the black woman off uh, to, you know, 
be adventurers mm. and discover new lands, I guess, which I mean, there were slave ships named adventure. I can't, I can't, I can't not remember that, you know, when it's happening. Right. Um, there was one more thing along that line that's going to come back to me, but it was just a little bit distracting and reminded me of the kind of unity that a lot of people who are less affected by racism or affected in very different ways than black people often call for and reminded me of that feeling of, I don't, I just don't think that it works. You know, we have Mm -hmm. to talk about power. We have to talk about colonialism. So I think that when I become a director one day, I might do my own version of a little mermaid, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's going to be a thriller. So, so King Triton's beef with the human world actually has meat and teeth oh, to it. Yeah. So she said, oh boy, here we go. Yeah, buckle up. Well, because when Ariel and King Triton get into this big fight, right? This big argument about what's your beef with the humans. He grabs her by the hand and they swim out to an underwater graveyard. Where the folks who have been jumping off the slave ships and slave ships are wrecked. Now, I don't know where it goes from there. Uh, but but well, I you do know what? think. That is what I, yeah. that is what I appreciated about, um, I think, Wakanda Forever. Is that the one where you have like the mm-hmm. sea, sea man? Because his backstory mm-hmm. is about colonialism. His backstory is about yeah. like people. Um, you know, uh, pillaging yeah. his his culture and his community, um, and he's he's the bad guy in the film. But I still liked mm-hmm. that he had that um, that story. And I think the thing is, I I do think there are choices they could have made to allow the world to feel um, more like it was its own world. Like even the aesthetic mm-hmm. choices they the the clothing and all that in in the sea we can accept the race neutrality right because we don't have preconceived notions of what it's supposed to look like there we don't know how mermaid genetics work (laughs) but um yeah absolutely but you know uh they they still they made they made choices yeah i think the artistic choices were a little um, we're a little messy for my brain, but again, we're like coming through from very particular lenses, but I was like, yeah, all of their clothing could have been, could have been more, um, similar to each other. Everyone on that Island, yeah. instead of being mm-hmm. some people were wearing European clothing and some people were wearing, um, sort of like the scraps of European clothing. And mm-hmm. I think that and it's interesting as we're having this conversation, I'm realizing like how much of it is really in in the accents. But um, yeah, because the queen had a had a British accent. She could have had a Jamaican accent. Right. She could have had a, a Caribbean. That's accent, true. But right. She had a British yeah, accent. She could have been Caribbean. So. Right. Why? Why did she? They did make choices. They did make choices. And <laughs> Still they did. wanted us to be in a neutral place, which is which is interesting. They did. And and I wanna and I hasten to add again, it was great. It was an entertaining movie. It was a feel-good movie. You know, like we're not saying like 
they should redo it or anything. These were just things that are a little bit distracting. And that brought me back to the thing that I was trying to remember that I was like, okay, we could have put some more thought into this, but it also takes me back into my thriller idea. So, (laughs) uh, but one was just a simple, what are y'all going to eat? Because they eat a lot of fish in the Caribbean. (laughs) So (laughs) like now that Ariel's a human, now that Ariel's a human, like what is... (laughs) I don't know. Like, only land mammals. Uh, only only land mammals, right? Which is another part <laughs> of my thriller idea because when she gets to be a part of the human world, she realizes how much fish they eat. And now the story is about Ariel escaping. <laughs> <laughs> she made a mistake. <laughs> I think I think there is a point to this conversation. And I don't think the point is to criticize this movie. Because I enjoyed the movie as well. I think the point is, how can we make art that is true escapism for people who are constantly facing harm? And I think there are choices that you can make that create true escapist art. Um, And I think it is something valuable to think about because that is really valuable for people who are constantly under the weight of the world in that way. And, you know, you and I are artists as well. Um, We are both artists who don't shy away from directly addressing Mm -hmm. things in art, but um, equally as important is the art that takes you away from that thinking and that sort of feeling. Um, and I do think that is important to think about and explore. So I think more than more than anything, I feel like that is what what people can take away from this conversation is that there are things that people like you and I will never be able to unsee in in any media. Um, But there are certainly ways that it can be done. There are ways, there are ways and choices that it can be done, that it can just be like a joyful and freeing experience. I think that's, that's, that's a, that's a, that's an amazing point, you know, to, and a question to, to consider you know, and it makes me think about, you know, again, I think part of the, you know, there were a lot of people or some people, I should say, who talked about like, well, why are we shoving diversity into this rather than creating new stories? Right. Um, because it is hard to create something in to create mm-hmm. a colonial era story. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. and kind of make it like it's not it's not happening right like in some way yeah. that is exactly the world that we live in right like yeah. the backdrop of this story is the slave trade you know because of the era that it's in is it in a fictional world well it looks really close to the world that we're in so the right. you know the jury is out on that and um, I know that that might sound dangerously close to what some white people were saying, <clears throat> you know, which is they didn't want Ariel to be black, which is just racist. Right. But mm-hmm. I think that, you know, some people do have a point when we say, well, I mean, it's fine for us to make the Little Mermaid black, but we also need 
new stories that that can do that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right now, yeah. I'm just hearing my dad say some things should just be white, <laughs> um, which I don't think he's right about. But I think this is the point that he's making. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do. I, I do wanted think. to mention. Sorry. No, yeah. The other thing I wanted to mention just before and I don't don't lose that thought, but is when we do find ourselves, you know, telling a story in an era like this to not be afraid to confront it, because that could also be a way. There are also ways that you could include the reality of what might have been going on in that time period that don't make the movie, you know, 12 years, 12 years, now you're watching 12 years a slave again. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I, yeah. I can't come up with this with a plot point right now. But mm-hmm. honestly, I do think that I do think it would be a much richer story if King Triton is like, I don't want you to be a part of their world because I see what they do to each other. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And yeah. And if and if Eric redeems the reputation of human beings against that backdrop, you know, yeah. that could be a richer story, you know. Yeah. And it also makes me think of like I see people doing this when they reimagine like uh, Magneto and Professor X as black people during the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. You know, when they mm-hmm. someone has reimagined Bruce Wayne uh, growing growing up in. um the inner city as a black kid, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And these, these could be interesting reimaginings of stories like these. Yeah. I, I, I keep bringing up Bridgerton because for some reason I feel like they did a good job of this in Bridgerton. Do you watch the show or have you seen it? I watched the first one, but I haven't, I watched the first season. There are two seasons, right? Okay. Yeah. Are there two seasons? Okay, I, think, yeah. I didn't watch the second season. Okay. And I haven't watched the, is it Queen Charlotte? Is that the name of it? Yeah, Queen Charlotte. I've seen all of them. Yeah, I haven't um, seen that one either. So I, I think there are, there are critiques to be made about Bridgerton as, as anything. Um, but Bridgerton does allude to the reason that they're they are in a race neutral society and i do think that is helpful because so they basically allude to queen charlotte they allude to at some point Mm -hmm. the king the prince married a black queen and now we live in a race neutral society (laughs) um and it alludes to that yeah um and so you know it's not they didn't like they at no point in this show like harp on this, but they allude back to, yeah, right. it's a thing that happened. Right. And right. um, and it still allows you to be in that space. Um, but the other thing I would say is um for like, you know, artists and creators, it's like there's always gonna be a criticism and it's always gonna be messy because dealing with these things, mm-hmm. it's just like inherently messy. And so thinking right. about um, you know, thinking about the some things should oh, should just be white. It's like, <laughs> does the weight of Halle Bailey being a black woman in this film outweigh any of these critiques in my eyes? Like a thousand percent, thousand percent. And mm-hmm, I'm glad mm-hmm. they did it, even though it was still there are still 
messy elements to it. I'm glad they did it. I think it is better to try to do it, even if it's going to be messy and even if it's going to mm-hmm. um, not be the exact escape that you would hope it would be. Um, I admire the I admire the effort of of just just trying and because um, I remember when the when the trailer came out, I, it was just so emotional, like watching all these little girls mm-hmm. like light up seeing themselves and like knowing like I had that to a small degree as a child, like yeah. I had Princess Jasmine. And I had Pocahontas, uh, even though I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not indigenous, yeah. but um, she yeah. was brown. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Um, right. And I still love that. I still love that we have a black mermaid, even though I'm confused about the structure of the family <laughs> that she's just married into. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I agree. I think that, you know, there's a reason why. You know, when you are in grade school, you learn to add and subtract and multiply and divide numbers. And the alphabet is a different thing until you get to ninth or 10th grade. And you're like, what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> variables, right? Like there's there's a reason why that doesn't have why that happens in that way. And this is a children's it's a children's story, you know, a children's film. You know, and so it doesn't have to, you know, give us an accurate portrayal of whatever, whatever era they're supposed to be in. Right. It did what it needed to do. And I would probably watch it again just to hear Holly Bailey sing, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it was great. We enjoyed it. Although the theater did not have popcorn. That was sad. But other than that. Right. (laughs) Other than that, it was it was a good time. Um, And I do think. I I do think that Disney also. Has made more and more um, great and diverse new stories for children, too. And the new stories that they have created have been incredibly emotional and mm-hmm. yeah uh deep and rich and um i think both of those things you know the remakes do play a role because it is i don't want to say like some sort of reparation but it like feels like that a little bit in like my little kid soul <laughs> like knowing that i had like so little when i was a kid it like does sort of heal a little part of me being like oh there's there's more of that um but also making those new stories and also cool how art can be um art that's even like meant for for children can be such a can play such a big role in the society that we create Thanks again, everyone, for listening to the Hope and Heart Pills podcast. We love spending time with you and we're going to pass it over to Ross, who's going to tell you how to keep in touch and all that other kind of stuff. Um, And we'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for choosing to listen today. You can catch up with our hosts online. Trish's is at 
Trisha's Music, that's spelled T-R-I-S-H-E-S, Music, on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Andre is at TheAndreHenry on Instagram and TikTok, and at AndreHenry on Twitter. Catch the songs you heard today and more of their music on Spotify. If you'd like to support what we're doing here and see the video of Andre and Trisha's conversation, you can join the Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Andre Henry. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.